What up, what up, what up, friends? And welcome to the Ball and Buds Podcast. I am your host, Omar Fonseca, and thank you as always for tuning in. I am glad you have joined us today for our huge 2021 Major League Baseball season preview with a special guest, MLB expert Mike Weeby will be joining me on the show today, my friends. Very excited to have him on. But as always, you know how we like to start on the Ball and Buds podcast with Omar's Overture. So let's kick this bad boy off. We have arrived. We have arrived. Yes, my friends, after the 60-game literal sprint and postseason of the 2020 season that we had with the COVID, Major League Baseball is set to begin once again. Yes, yes, yes. Opening day is scheduled April the 1st. And I am super excited. Baseball is one of my favorite sports and always will be. I don't care that it's a slow game. I love the strategy. I think it's exciting. So, you know what? Don't at me, fools. Anyways, it's been three and a half months since the Los Angeles Dodgers won the World Series. They had a really good team. It was not very much of a surprise that they won. And they actually have a really good chance to repeat as champions, which we know doesn't happen very often in sports at all. The last time that happened was the Yankees from 1998 to 2000 when they won three World Series in a row. So what happened this winter? Well, with COVID, unlike previous seasons, where the hot stove is always blazing with major trades and signings, this offseason was pretty quiet. Aside from a few stars being traded and signed as free agents, The biggest trade being the superstar shortstop Francisco Lindor to the New York Metropolitans. Yes, my friends, my favorite team, the Mets, are on the come up. Yes, we got Steve Cohen. He's willing to spend money. The Will Ponds are gone. They were cheap. I am so happy. Mets fans rejoice. LFGM, LFGM, let's go Mets! Anyway, sorry about that. I'm just really excited. Steve Cohen is the new owner of the New York Mets and the richest man in baseball, and they are spending, spending, spending. The Toronto Blue Jays were spending this offseason as they guaranteed the most money this winter to free agents with $186.3 million guaranteed. $150 million went to George Springer to man center field for them, leaving the Astros... It seems like after the Astros won their World Series and the scandal, it seems like they've been going downhill since then. And that team is slowly breaking up from the front office to the actual team. Wouldn't be surprised if Altuve wasn't there too much longer or Bregman or the rest of them. I don't see that team lasting more than a couple more years, maybe at the most. Anyways, the next highest free agent was Phillies catcher JT Real Muto, who decided to stay with the Phillies like a few other superstars, including DJ LeMahieu, who stayed with the Yankees, Marcel Ozuna, who stayed with the Braves, and Marcus Stroman, who stayed with the Mets. The biggest signing of the offseason was right-hander Trevor Bauer, who signed an interestingly structured deal. 
It is a three-year deal for $102 million with the Los Angeles Dodgers. The rich just keep getting richer, huh? The Dodgers win the championship, and now they got one of the greatest rotations I've ever seen in my life. It includes Clayton Kershaw, Trevor Bauer, Walker Bueller, David Price, Julio Urias. An amazing rotation. Anyways, the Dodgers will pay him $40 million in 2021 and 45 in 2022, but each year includes an opt-out over those years. So the Mets did offer Trevor Bauer more money. He decided to go for the more money in less time instead of the more money overall over the years, which, hey, you want to make money as quickly as possible? That's the way you do it, right? He has an opt-out, so he could make $40 million this year and opt-out if he wanted to, if he wins a championship in L.A., and then go somewhere else and sign a long-term deal. Or if they don't win this year, he could get his $85 million for two years with the Dodgers and then opt-out and go sign a long-term deal. So in terms of money-wise, hey, smart move. Can't be mad at the kid. You know what I'm saying? I'm a Mets fan. I wish he would have came to us because then we would have definitely been, I think, World Series champions with the rotation we have. But I think we still have a good rotation without him. So, hey, good luck to him. Hopefully, we will see those Dodgers in the NLCS. He forewent the standard long-term deal sought by high-end free agents to maximize his short-term earnings, which makes sense because spending is down compared to recent free agent classes. For years, Teams have slowly chipped away at the length and amount that they are giving these players. You know, they used to give out long-term deals, six, seven years, and now that's very rare unless you're a top talent like a Mike Trout or Fernando Tatis Jr. or Bryce Harper or a Manny Machado or something like that. Other than that, people are getting two-year deals, three-year deals, four-year deals at the max. Obviously, part of that is the pandemic this year, but also with the weaker class. Five teams, Blue Jays, Dodgers, Phillies, Yankees, Braves accounted for more than half of the free agent spending this year. Again, rich get richer, right? But most of the time in, in the majors, the bottom teams stay at the bottom and the top teams stay at the top, usually because of payroll and how much they want to spend. Every once in a while, you might see a team like the Marlins bubble up, spend a lot of money in offseason, go win the championship, and then dismantle their team, right? Because small market teams or teams in Florida who don't, whose fans don't go to games, you can't really support teams like that, can't really spend a lot of money on players. That being said, the bottom three teams only spent $4 million. Four. The Pirates, the Reds, and our special guest today, his favorite team, Michael Wiebe, the Orioles. Three teams spent $4 million in free agency. That is not parody. That is ridiculous. That is unacceptable. This doesn't even include the Rockies, who guaranteed zero in free agency, and actually traded their superstar, third baseman Nolan Arenado to St. Louis for such a pitiful return and sent $51 million to help cover his salary. So ridiculous was this trade that ESPN and the Gazette's Woody Page asked members of the front office in a virtual press conference if they thought about firing themselves. I saw that on Around the Horn and I was dying. Oh, man, Woody Page, he is the best. I love me some Woody Page, and uh, that is hilarious. Yeah, you need to fire yourselves for that front office. What kind of crap is that? You trade your best damn player for nothing? Anyways, the White Sox, with their young core already, as well as the Padres, those two young cores are the real young cores to watch going forward in the majors. They look really, really good. The Padres, they traded for Blake Snell, former 2018 AL Cy Young winner, you Darvish, who was runner-up last year in the NL Cy Young race, and Joe Musgrove. Woo! Wow! The Padres are loading up 
trying to catch those Dodgers. And I think they might not only have caught them, but passed them. So you're looking at the Dodgers, the Padres, the Braves, Cardinals, and my Mets as being the top contenders in the NL, in my opinion. Whereas you have the White Sox, the Yankees, the A's, Blue Jays, Astros, Twins, and the Devil Rays. So we are going to have some amazing baseball this year. I am so excited. The teams were so excited and the offseason was so wild that Jeff Passan of ESPN mentioned that we had one of the craziest things ever happen. The Yankees and the Red Sox made a trade. What? Excuse me? The biggest rivals ever made a trade? Pretty crazy, huh? Crazy. Insane. Anyways. Let's get ready, my friends, to play ball! To him I heard her shout, Hey, take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jack. I don't care if I never get back. Let me root, root, root for the home team. If they don't win, it's a shame. Cause it's one, two. Three strikes, you're out at the old ball game. And now, without further ado, MLB expert Mike Weeby is here to join us today. How are you doing today, my brother? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks, Amor. Thanks for having me. Good to be on with you. And and what are you up to now? A couple hundred thousand downloads per episode? Or <laughs> we're, we're, try, we're trying to get there. We're just a little smidge below that. But, you know, we're yeah, trying. Baby steps. <laughs> baby steps. You know what? This might be the one that puts you over the edge. I think so. I, with, with your kind of star power, I don't know how this could fail. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, it is good to have you on, my brother. Let's jump into all this stuff. We have a great 2021 MLB season coming up ahead of us. I am very excited, and I know that you, being a huge baseball fan, are very excited as well. Being the expert that you are, I trust your opinion on such matters. So, that being said, my friend, who will be the next young superstars in Major League Baseball? Yeah, it's one of the best parts about the new season is you get to see some of these new guys come up and, and really get to show what they've got. And you get to see Luis Robert last year and, and a couple guys out there shining. For the White Sox, we got to mm-hmm. see Fernando Tatis last year. And you know, there's some players coming up this year that you know I'm really interested in. There's players on the horizon. There's a lot of guys I like in the AL East. They've got a, a good little core coming up. Great pitcher for the White Sox coming up named Nate Peterson. He came up for a cup of coffee last year. Looked really good. I'm not a big fan of that, being a Baltimore fan, knowing that we're going to have to see this guy a couple times a year. Not looking forward to that. Right. You're not looking forward to seeing any of their team, right? Because they got the new slugger, Andrew Vaughn, and the second baseman, Nick Madrigal, to go along with the rest of the young core. And then you guys, you guys have some good young people. John Means, Trey Mancini, Ryan Mountcastle. Tell me about your guys and the Baltimore Orioles being the huge Orioles fan that you are. Yeah, Ryan Castle came up for you know a little bit last year, got maybe 20 games in, produced a lot better than most thought he would. He's you know, he's one of these players that sits in that same category as kind of the Chris Davis and Trey Mancini's these 
first baseman, inadequate outfielders, should probably be a DH. You know, and last year's Baltimore team was kind of just stuffed with those guys, full of them. They were everywhere. So they tried to get rid of some players. And, you know, I think Mancini's going to be in there. He's going to get a full season. You know, from what I hear, he's going to be the starting left fielder day one. So, you know, have him in left field and, and Trey Mancini at first base. Nice, nice little young core sitting there waiting for Adley to come up, grab that catching title. Hopefully uh, by the end of the year, we'll get to see him come up for a little bit too. No doubt. He looks like a really good young prospect. But how about the star young prospect in your division, Randy Arozarena? Yeah, Randy, Randy Arozarena... He was lightning in a bottle at the end of last year. I, you know, I wonder how that's going to carry on throughout the, the regular season, you know, when the whole league gets a chance to go after you time after time and, you know, you work your way through the league once or twice to figure some stuff out. But, man, that was certainly something exciting last year in the postseason and, and right there towards the end. Yeah, that was an amazing run. I don't think I've seen anything like that since maybe Carlos Beltran. But then again, he had been in the league already five yeah, or six he, years. Yeah. He's been around for a while. Yep, yeah, so this, yeah, this guy's a rookie. And then they got Wander Franco coming up as well and Luis Patino that they traded for. They look special. They're calling him, you know, one of these big young stars that, you know, the kind you only see once every couple of years, you know, the Bryce Harper types, those kinds that, you know, sit there and everyone knows this is a can't-miss guy, kind of the same way they talked about Tatis last year. Right. And speaking of that, we got Tatis. You got – and uh, we, we don't want to forget about, before I move on from the AL, Vlad Guerrero and Bichette Jr. You know, we don't want to forget about them. And Kellenek in Seattle, if they don't hold him back for the first month, he was our Mets prospect, and I know how good he's going to be. Can't believe we still traded him for Cano. God bless. I don't know. Yeah, and there, you know, there's one guy I don't want to get out of here without talking about, Carter Kaiboom for, for Washington. I think he's the most important piece of any of these young players, even with Tatis, as important as they can be, but that lineup is protected. And having Carter Kaiboom come in here as really an, an unknown talent to pick up that third base Mantle from Rendon and in Washington, you know, he's going to need to be an important part of that lineup for them to be successful and to try to come away from this incredibly difficult division. If you look at that NL East with the Mets and, and what the Braves are doing and the, the upstart Marlins, I, I really think that Carter Kaiboom is probably going to be the most important young player coming up this season. Maybe not the best, maybe not the most productive, but definitely the most important to his team. Yeah, heard that. I like that pick. That's a very, you know, sleeper kind of pick. And they do need him, but they also need Juan Soto to keep making those strides. And if they get that kind of production and they get Max Scherzer continuing his dominance. You know, they got a tough team. And like you said, that NL East top to bottom is the best division in baseball right now. Any of those teams could make the playoffs. Moving over in the NL, we just talked a little bit about Tatis Jr. And uh, we talked about a little about the White Sox in the AL. So the Padres and the White Sox, will they be making the next step? You know, I, I think you can go ahead and, and pencil the Padres in for something this year. It's hard to call any kind of playoffs this year, especially in the National League. The National League is so difficult. And, you know, I can't remember a time in recent memory where the National League and the American League have been so different. It kind of reminds me of how the NBA has been with the Western Conference being so dominant over the Eastern Conference. Right, right, um, right. That, that's kind of how I feel looking at this at the National League, you know, it's it's going to be tough because they're in the same division with the Dodgers, who I think have a chance to be historically good. So they're going to need to get one of the two wild cards. But when you look around the league, you know, you're looking at the Central and there's Milwaukee and St. Louis and Chicago. And in the East, there's the Mets, the Nationals, the Braves, the Phillies. Only two of those teams can get in. Right, you know? right. 
you can only get one from each division and then the two overall. So so if San Diego is going to make that step, you know, I think they did a lot this offseason. They, they definitely came out of the offseason with the biggest kind of delta between where they left the year after, you know, exiting the playoffs and where mm-hmm. they're starting this season out. They went out and got you Darvish. They went out and found a way to get Blake Snell from for, for, for pennies on the dollar, it seems like. And, you know, it's easy for me to say that now. I think I've said that about 35 times before <laughs> when people deal with the Rays and then somehow they take someone no one ever saw and, you know, turn them into a Cy Young candidate. But they, they really got out of this pretty great. They put a nice little starting staff together. They, they've really done a good job in rebuilding and, and kind of locking the culture down with that big extension they signed that they signed Tatis to to go with the long-term deal they already have set up with Machado. And, you know, if you're a San Diego fan, you, you got a lot to look forward to. They, the, the team really can rake one through eight. They play in a gigantic park, which will probably make it seem like they're scoring a, a little less runs at home than they need to. Uh, but overall, I think they're one of the four or five best teams in the National League. And at the end of the year, they should be there, barring health, like everybody else. Yeah, most definitely. And, they, and actually, one person we forgot about, they traded for Joe Musgrove, which was the ace in Pittsburgh. Like, yeah. Just, yeah he, I think he's going to be their number five, too. I think he's just, their, wow. the, the very back of their rotation right now. That's crazy. And speaking of crazy, not with that rotation, but like you said, the Dodgers in their same division have a historically good rotation. You got Clayton Kershaw, Trevor Bauer, Walker Bueller. David Price is a legitimate fourth starter on this team, and it's not hyperbole. He's the fourth best starter on that team, a Cy Young Award winner. You know, and then when you're looking at five, Urias. You got Gosselin and you got Dustin May, possibly. Like, geez, Louise. You know, is May gonna they gonna send May down? Or are they gonna keep him as a long man out of the bullpen? Who knows? That I mean, that that pitching staff it's got a chance to be as good as any pitching staff we've ever seen. You know, including those Smoltz and Glavin and Avery Braves teams. They they really do have a chance to be as good as any starting five we've ever seen. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, on that note, we can't forget to talk about Dion's White Sox. So, what do you think about them? <laughs> I. I like the White Sox. I do. They're, they're in a tough division. You know, I, I think that which you're really looking at Minnesota. I feel like they're really going to walk away from this. I don't like the White Sox as much as a lot of other people do. You know, I don't know about their starting staff. Everyone likes Giolito, but, you know, Lance Lynn and Dallas Keuchel and Carlos, I, I just Carlos Ronton. I don't know what we have there. The, the team's going to be able to hit. And, you know, I, I want to see Andrew Vaughn just as much as everybody else. He's out there massive reminding people of Jim Tomei or or, right. or Chris Davis when he knew how to hit a baseball. <laughs> um, just big man, see ball, hit ball. It, it looks it looks nice. And I like what they're doing, though. I mean, the, doing what they did with Tim Anderson and, Man, you know, and, and, and Abreu and Grandal, they've, they've got some real mashers in that lineup. But, you know, I, I still see their big weakness being the starting staff and, and even more than that, their bullpen. Their bullpen is is awful. I, I just remember last year, every time I watched him play, just watching teams feast off that bullpen. And, and I'm just not sure that they're going to have what it takes to, to make it through a season like that. Yeah, that's definitely their weakest link. And, you know, that's going to be what, like you said, what test them to see if they make the playoffs. Links. What about Tampa Bay? Do you think they'll be able to retool after losing the World Series? Do you think they'll be able to get back into the playoffs? What do you say about them? Man, it's hard for me to say this being an Orioles fan, but I feel so bad for the fans of that team. Just every time you, you fall in love with these players, you, you can't get used to anybody because 
as soon as they get good, two weeks later, they're getting shipped off somewhere else. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's got to be heartbreaking to, to, you know, you saw it with Price and Longoria and, and, and everyone throughout the history of this team. It's so tough, but it, it always seems like no matter what, they, they push these guys out. And then this year we're going to have a Rosarena playing a full year. I'm sure we're going to see Wander Franco come back up. Or come up this year. It's so hard to pick anything with them. They, they play good defense. They put the ball in play. They're just a strange team. And every time they start signing these players like Michael Waka and Rich Hill and they get Archer back. Every time I think these guys are done, they just somehow refine whatever they were missing when they go to Tampa. You know, So they don't look good on paper. I'll tell you that. But I can't say that I thought they looked great on paper last year either. And mm. they made it to <laughs> they made it very far in the World Series. So it's a tough call. I don't think they're gonna do it this year, but then again, you know, I'm also not taking it to Vegas that they're gonna lose. <laughs> they're gonna lose ninety games either. Not at all. No, they definitely have an uphill battle, but they still have a chance in that weak division of the AL East, which, you know, is starting to get a little stronger with the Yankees, even though the Red Sox are on their on their downslide. So I guess speaking on that note, that's a good segue. What about the Yankees? It seems to be World Series or bust for them. What do you say? Yeah, I think it's World Series for bust every year for the Yankees. <laughs> yeah. They don't seem to ever have these years where they're just not trying. I mean, even the air quote rebuilding years don't work out that way for them. They find a way to win. I thought they were absolutely bananas to get rid of Ottavino, you know, the year after they got rid of Batances. And, and then just out of nowhere, you know, they just pop in with this Darren O'Day signing, very last minute, dirt cheap, to just completely re-solidify their bullpen. I, they just retool every year with players, and I'm really excited to watch Clint Frazier play, not just because uh, he's a redhead, although that <laughs> might have a lot to do with it, but I think I think he's, he's going to be a really fantastic hitter. Again, I'm going to dread saying that because I'm going to have to watch him play in 25 games a year against Baltimore. But yeah, they look really good on paper when you look at the one through nine on the lineup. And the thing that scares me the most about them is, is their starting rotation. Though. Exactly. Every, everyone would love to start a, to have a starting rotation with Garrett Cole. And, but when you're penciling in Corey Kluber, who hasn't, who's still in one pitch in the last, what, 20 months. That's it, scary to me. And, and James Talion is your, is your three. And, and then you're sprinkling in these Jordan Montgomery's and Debbie Garcia types. It's just, it's, it's worrisome, especially considering some of the offenses in this division. Now the division's not great. I'll give you that. But if you look at a team like Tampa, a team like Toronto, these teams can really mash. They can really hit top to bottom. And um, it's going to be something that's going to be a problem. But when you look at lineups and you look at their lineup, it's, it's absolutely terrifying. I, I can't imagine ever, wanting to pitch against a team like that. It's, it really is incredible. I don't know if Mike Trotman's going to make this team this year. I think they're that loaded in the outfield. I don't think there's a place for them. It's, it's wild. Yeah, with the Yankees, their weak link is the starting rotation, but they do have a lot of mashers that should carry them, even though they lost Tanaka and Paxton and Hap. And now that they have Kluber, but like you said, he's off and on injured. So we will see how it goes. You said Mike Trotman might not even make it up. How about his related, probably not related cousin, Mike Trout? Does he make it? To, do the Angels ever make it to the playoffs with Mike Trout? I mean, eventually. I don't think this is the year. But, <laughs> and you know, it's kind of, they're like, 
they remind me a lot of the other Yankees, just not as good. I mean, when you're going in here and you're, you're looking at a team and if everything goes according to plan, then your top two starters are Dylan Bundy and Shohei Otani. Ugh. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, good luck. I, you know, I, I wish the best for him. But <laughs> I, I really like them going out and getting Iglesias from from the Reds to shore up the back end of that bullpen, and and I don't think they're going to have a whole lot of issues hitting. You know, but what are we working with as far as the arms here? I don't like the middle relief the team has. Definitely don't like the starting pitching. It's it's going to be a, a massive uphill battle for them too. I agree with you. I think it's just a tough. AL West division, yeah. right? I mean, everybody Houston in there. And, and Oakland somehow is good every year. It, you know, it's going to be a tough bargain for them. They're all really scrappy teams, and I just don't know if Los Angeles will ever be able to capitalize, which is sad because we're wasting the prime years of Mike Trout's career. Yeah, I mean, they're trying, but you can't say they're not trying. No, yeah, you, they're spending money. You're right. Inglacius to play shortstop. And, uh, Even when they brought in Albert. Albert. Yeah. Yep, Rendon's out there. They've got a nice piece of hitting up and down the lineup but if you can't pitch you can't win right right and so not for a lack of trying and just like that not for a lack of trying for the other team in new york who also has a mashing lineup the new york mets right so they got the big signing or the big trade of the offseason rather was francisco lindor they also got alonzo and they got the rest of those mashers in the lineup Degrom holding up that pretty nice rotation with stroman and carrasco now what do you say about the mets yeah, if you're asking me to go to Vegas, who I'm going to throw a bunch of money on, you know, I'm going to take the Dodgers if you're saying the Dodgers are the field. I think the Dodgers are the are going to be the team that's the most difficult to beat. But I, I think right on their heels behind them, I think the Mets are that good of a team. I, I really think that this is a year that they can turn a corner. And the same way that we talked about Carter Kaiboom earlier with the, the Nationals, you know, I think whatever we get from Thor here in New York is going to be a difference maker. Because if, if right. you've got DeGrom... Carlos Carrasco, Marcus Stroman, and then you get, even at the end of the year, I don't think Thor's expected back till June, but if you're looking around August time and, and you've got the Thor of old and you're putting him in there as your fourth starter and you're looking at playoff games where you can have DeGrom or Carrasco pitch four innings and then have Thor come in and, and blow the lights off people and you're not asking him to conserve anything, you're telling him, hey, come in here, two innings, gas out. I, I think what you've got there is a special kind of tool that you don't normally see you know i I think of it the way that the uh, randy johnson was used from time to time in in the national league in the 2000s and uh, i look at that and i think that that's the kind of weapon that he could be come playoff time and they've done a great job at you know shoring up that that bullpen i still wonder what batonsis is going to be in my head he's still the same guy that he was three years ago, I feel like it's going to come back. I just don't know when. When that comes back, he's a special player. He's a one-of-one. There's nobody like him in the league. He's got a very special arm, and if he can get even 80% of the way back to where he was, then with that lineup, this team is is dangerous. And another thing I really like about him, some of the stuff they did in the offseason I thought was great. It wasn't just getting Francisco Lindor. That's what everyone's going to talk about. It's what everyone loves. Right. right. It, it's it's picking up these pieces like Carlos Carrasco to be your number three star. Mm-hmm. Very important piece. Guys like Jonathan VR coming in who can play four different positions. He's a Swiss Army knife. He can play second, shortstop, third base, right field. He can play them all well. You won't need him to play in the outfield because you also went out and got Kevin Pillar, who's I, I don't even know how many gold gloves he's got on his shelf. These bench bats that they have and the the way their team is built, 
but to where VR can DH, or maybe Nimmo can DH, or Dominic Smith can play first or third or DH. They've mm-hmm. got all these pieces that can just move around really effectively, and it's going to sound kind of strange, but I think Cano being out and getting suspended is going to be a bit of a blessing in disguise, you know, <laughs> allowing Jeff McNeil to actually play second base every day and not having to shove Cano in there every day because you're paying him $30 million or whatever and trying to find places to put McNeil gives him some comfort knowing every day he's going to walk in there and his name's going to be, you know, in that dry erase marker under under 2B every day and he can go out there and hit 315 for you. It's, it's going to be something. I think this is a really good team. I like the way they're built. Good bench, strong starting pitching, nice middle relief. The lineup can really hit. I really like the way that this team's put together. I obviously do as well, my friend, because I would be lying if I said anything different. But I do honestly believe that they have a really strong team. They do have a lot of puzzle pieces that are interchangeable that will need to be put together by Luis Rojas, who will need to make those correct decisions. But I do think that they have as strong as a chance as anybody in the National League. And I agree with you about Robinson Cano. As much as I hated the trade, I do think it is a blessing in disguise that he is out this year, even though we lost Kellenick out of the deal, which still just utterly uh, grinds my gears every time I have to say that. But I do agree with you. I think him being out does give us a chance to get everybody else on the field, especially all the young kids with the potential. And then next year, if he comes back, you know, maybe he'll add some added power to because we still have, I think, two more years on his deal. So he's going to come back. I think Alderson said he was going to keep him. So we'll see what happens there. You never know. Things change on a daily basis. That being said, my friends, thank you for joining us today here on the Ball and Buds podcast. Part one of the huge 2021 MLB season preview with MLB expert Mike Weeby. So thank you very much to him for coming on and he will obviously be joining us for part two. So please be on the lookout for that. And as always, my friends, don't forget to support your boy. Until next time, subscribe to stay updated and download all the new episodes. Until then, stay safe, take care of yourself, be kind to each other and spread love the Omar way. Holla, 5,000.